We are in the Gospel of, of John. We're going to be here this week and next week, and then uh, we're going to take a, a break for um, Advent, which is coming up pretty soon, and I'll talk about that next, next week as well. But uh, we're in John chapter 12, and starting in verse 20 today. And um, what we have in the, the Gospel of John is really from, from John chapter 12 to John chapter 19, okay, that's about seven chapters, they incorporate a week. You could say, really it's about six days, this last six days of Jesus' life, from John 12 to actually to John 19. In John 19, we have the crucifixion of, of Christ, the death on a cross. In John 12, we have him, we have him entering into Jerusalem, beginning that last week of his life. And uh, as Jesus is, is there, uh, others have gathered because it's a religious, huge religious festival called the Passover, and everyone has gathered in Jerusalem. And then this is where we pick up the passage uh, today in, in John 12, starting in verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who, who went up to worship at the festival. This is, this is pretty um, important. John wants us to make sure that uh, we actually know that um, uh, Jesus was Jewish, and many people believe that the gospel was just for those who, who were Jewish. But as all gospel writers lay out that the message and the gospel of Jesus is for the entire world. And so you'll see this throughout the uh, scriptures. You'll see, you'll see uh, Jesus speaking just to those who, are, who, who are, are, are Jewish, but also those who are Gentiles. And so the Greeks are coming. These are God-fearing Greeks. These are folks who, who, who sort of moving toward Yahweh. Um, they're still influenced by sort of Greek understanding of the mind, uh, the Greek understanding of life, uh, but they are there. And, uh, and so they, in verse 21, they, they come to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with their requests. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And so Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus. Now, some of you are probably asking, why did the Greeks come up to Philip and Andrew? How come they didn't go up to Peter? Um, or Judas hasn't actually done his massive betrayal? Or what about other disciples? And so, some people believe it's because their names are like the Greeks, Philip and Andrew. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. But... Uh, um, they just come up to Philip. Now what we see here, Andrew, throughout, this, throughout the uh, scriptures, is always bringing people to Jesus, right? He's always bringing things to Jesus. So Philip and Andrew, they go tell Andrew. I mean, Philip goes tells Andrew. Andrew and Philip both go to Jesus. And in verse 23, all of a sudden, this is what Jesus says. It says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is a very significant moment because up until this moment, uh, John chapter 2, uh, John chapter 7, uh, John chapter 8. Um, Jesus says that the hour has not yet come. 
In John chapter 2, they're at the wedding where Jesus turns water into wine. His mom comes up to him and says, hey, they ran out of, they ran out of, out of wine. And then Jesus says, woman, that's what he says. Don't say mom. He says, woman, why are you bothering me? For my hour has not yet come. And then Mary, I love Mary, says, just do whatever he tells you to do. So he's faithful to his mom and changes water into wine. In John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, Jesus says again, uh, or John tells us, his hour has not yet come. In both those occurrences, it's because a crowd comes to seize Jesus. Uh, they come to arrest him, but he gets away from the crowd. And John tells us, because his hour has not yet come. But what we have here is Jesus saying, my hour has come. As a listener to the gospel, as a reader of the gospel, it's saying this, something big is going to happen. Jesus is saying, what's going to happen in this week is why I have come. This is a pregnant moment in history. This is why I come. And we'll say this a little bit later in verse 27. And you see this when Jesus begins the, the final week. He says, my hour has come. And at the end, he says, it is finished. And we'll see this over the next several months. But it says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Here he used the title. Sometimes Jesus will say he's the Son of God. Other translations say he's the Son of Man. Jesus will go back and forth with that title. But he uses the Son of Man in that, in that he is speaking about how he, he is representing all of humanity. And he says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, in verse 24, falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father Honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Heard Jesus bring that up again. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And every time we see the word glory and glorify, Jesus will bring it up again. The, the word glory has several meanings. One, it, it means wait. Like some, this is a, a waiting moment. And so um, uh, when we think, it's like, like this is a heavy moment. This is sort of when God is seen, which is another translation for glory. God is being revealed. The presence of God, the glory of God, that, 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 that we see the weight and the presence and God is being revealed. And what Jesus is saying is, no, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. And verse 28, that I want my Father and what you're going to see in this moment and see in this hour and see in this week that, you're gonna, that you are going to see my Father, my Father's heart for you, my Father's love, my Father's character. You're going to see the weight of it. And the voice comes from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. In verse 29, the crowd that was there heard it said, and it thundered. <coughs> Others said an angel had spoken to him. In verse 30, Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit. Not mine. 
Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said that to show the kind of death he was going to die. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here at Grace, we, we have a simple hashtag. It says Jesus every day. And it's nice to write. I think it's harder to live. And I was thinking about that when um, I came across this image this week. And, and, and it's the image, it's coming. Um, the image is of this, it's coming. It's coming, slowly coming. Oh, well, we'll keep going. But, um, yeah. There it is, okay. Everyone's like, wow, that was a pregnant moment. That's a bad setup. But, um, yeah, I came across this image. I was thinking, I don't know what to do with this. Is this good or bad? First of all, I was thinking, you know, it's so American, right? Because we love to take something that's simple, like a hamburger, and we'd love to add other stuff in it. Now, and, but then we take Oreos. Who doesn't like Oreos? Or we love Oreos. Oreos are great, right? And we, and we, dip, them in, we dip them in milk or we tar. And some of us, you're right, some of us eat the middle when we leave the, 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 the cookie on the outside. But then we, we take the, someone said, well, let's just sort of put Oreos and then patty. And, and I guess that's like cheese from here. It looks like an avocado. I don't know what it is. And a couple more patties. And I'm thinking, ugh. I mean, I love a great hamburger. I kept saying, would I eat this? And I was thinking, man, that's what we do in America. Right? That, that, that the secret to life. It's not so simple. So I'm going to add a little bit here. I'm going to add a little something a little sweet here. I'm going to add, add, add a little more cheese here. And I'm going to do this. All of a sudden, we sort of get to life. And our, our life is like this. And Jesus today gives us a very simple principle about life. And it goes against everything that this world says. And Jesus' simple principle is this. In order to live, in order to have a life, that you have to die. This is not a sermon that people go, oh, that's amazing. What, what happened today? We talked about death. But over and over again, Jesus says, in order to live, you have to die. I mean, think about this. He, he says it in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone comes after me, if you want to follow me, we say here at Grace that, that we, want to, we want to multiply disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus. Jesus says, well, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and then follow me. He says again in Luke 9, if anyone will come after me, anybody wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Paul writes in, in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he goes on in chapter 5 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Jesus is very clear over and over again that if you want to have a life, if you want to follow me, you have to die. That's so contrary. It's so counterintuitive to, to our world. I'm thinking what these, what these Greeks must have thought because in their mindset that everything in this world was bad and the only way to have life was to escape this world with the mind. And those who only had mental assent and could reach some type of knowledge that the more knowledge I have, then the more closer I can get, I can get to God. And when Jesus is saying, no, if you want to live, if you want to have a life, you have to die. And this isn't the first of, of counterintuitive teaching. Jesus says, hey, if you have enemies, pray for them. Love on them. Do good to them. Jesus says, if someone has hurt you, if someone has really hurt you, forgive them. Not once, twice, three times, but 70 times seven. Jesus says, hey, you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven? You have to be spiritually impoverished. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for then they will have the kingdom of heaven. And so part of me is saying, of course, let's see, Jesus did not come just to improve our life here. So you know what? Everything in this world is great. And so I'm just going to come and give you that one little extra that, that maybe you're missing an Oreo, or maybe you're just missing some cheese, or maybe you're just missing an extra patty. I'm just going to add to your life. No, Jesus says, no, if you want to have a life, if you want to follow me, if you want to be called my disciple, then you must die. What's fascinating is that a title Christian only appears three times in Scripture. Three. But the title disciple appears more than 230 times in the New Testament. A disciple is a student. A disciple is someone who learns. A, a, a disciple is someone who's committed to a teacher. A disciple is someone who is faithful to that teacher. A disciple is someone who understands the teaching and adheres to that teaching. Jesus says, if you want to live, you have to die. Because he said, listen, my hour has come. And, and where you will see my Father most glorified is in this hour because because." I am going to go die. And I think about this. That the cross, I believe what Jesus is saying, is, is an instrument of death, but it's also a way of life. If you're online, you probably can't see it, but to my left is a cross. And what's interesting about this cross was when, when we moved into this warehouse, we were just walking around the warehouse and uh, we have some little 
little space outside the warehouse here where, where people sort of, the previous tenants sort of threw things away. And I was walking and I found this wooden cross. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. We need to bring that inside. We need the cross outside of the worship space. We need it inside the worship space. And it's not pretty. It's not glamorous. It's not ornate. Well, it reminds me of the wooden cross that Jesus went and faithfully submitted himself to. And when I think about not just the cross, but crucifixion, he says, in order for me to live, I have to die. And he says, you have to take up your cross. All of us have a cross. He says, we got to take it up every day. That every day we have to go through some form of crucifixion. When I was starting thinking about crucifixion, I was thinking, first of all, that is violent. It's a, it's a violent way to die. There are other ways to die, but crucifixion was was a Roman way, it was the worst way to die. It was, and, the, and the Romans would do this, right? Because then they would put the criminals out there and it was a way to, to sort of keep others from committing crimes. And if you, were, if you died a crucifixion, that meant that you were an enemy of the state. That means that you were opposed to the Roman way of life. That means that in the eyes of the Romans, you were a criminal, you had violated a law. And I think about that. And that, and that I'm going to take up my cross every day. And that, and that there is, this is not my home. And take up my cross every day. I have to say, you know what? There, is, there are forces that are opposed to us to live this life with Jesus. And Jesus says, you have to get up every day and there is an enemy. And you have to look that enemy in the eye and you got to say, I am following Jesus. And if, and if we're not experiencing life and we're not experiencing joy and we're not experiencing forgiveness and we're not experiencing praise and worship, that means we are still living as friends of this world. And I think about the cross that, that, that am I living opposed to this world? If someone died on the cross, they were publicly shamed. They were stripped of all their clothes. And so every, and they were just vulnerable. And there they were. And we see, and we have these images of Jesus just there on the cross. And taking my cross every day means, means to expose myself. It's, it's to make myself vulnerable to say, I can't make it. I can't live. I can't hold on anymore. And, and about the cross and crucifixion, it, it actually prolonged suffering. Some died quickly, but others within 24 hours. And people love to gather and they love to, to watch people die. And, and really, the way you died in crucifixion, right, was, was suffocation. It's losing breath. Think about it. Breath is the very thing that God puts into us. And crucifixion, you're there, and people are just watching you suffer. And take up your cross every day. That, it's this idea of embracing suffering. Embracing that it is going to be hard. 
Embracing that I, I, have, I have given my whole life to what the world has and another life. And Jesus is saying, well, if you want to live, then you have to die. And every person who was crucified, they died. When Jesus says, take up your cross every day, in order to live, you have to die. It means that, that it's a conflict. It's, it's, a, it's a war. It, it's going to take suffering. It's, it's, it's going to take being vulnerable. It's going to take being broken. And it's going to take dying to yourself. That's not popular speak. I, I probably won't sell a lot of books with this title. But this is not my formula. This is Jesus' formula to life. That if we want to live, we have to die. Jesus puts it in another way, and maybe, maybe this may sell books, or, or maybe this is a little sweeter. He says that, that everything of life hinges on two things, loving God and loving others. But to love God means I have to die to the idea that I am God. That I'm, I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of my kids. I'm in control of work. I'm in control of how, when I can retire. I, I'm in control of my health. I'm in control of how much money I make. I have to let go of all that. If I'm going to truly love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength, that means that I am not God. Jesus says then, I want you to love neighbor. Not just a person who agrees with you or, 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 or who votes with you or worships with you, but I need you to love your neighbor. See, both of these are not focused upon ourselves. Both of them are saying, I have to die to myself. For me to love someone else, that, that is a willful choice to not love myself. That means I have to look at someone else and see them as created in the image of God and I have to go to them and I have to serve them and I bless them and love on them. See, in order to love God and love our neighbor, that we have to die to ourself. And it's a battle every day. The Bible talks about like this, that, that there is a transformation that happens. When you start following Jesus, that you actually have an old self and you have a new self. And Paul talks about this in Colossians 3. How, how Paul talks about it in Romans 7 is that, is that you can live according to the flesh or you can live according to the spirit. You, you can't do both. You can't live, live a little with Jesus and not die. Jesus says, no, no. If you want to live, you have to die. But, but Paul says, listen. The old self, it's powerful. because It's what we know. It's who we are. It's how we see the world. But this new self is who you are in Christ. This is your identity. This is who you're created to be. In some sense, what, what Paul says in, in Colossians 3 is this, is that, is that when we wake up, that the new self has to speak to the old self. Say something like this. Old self, you're not in charge of me. I don't belong to you because I love Jesus more than anything.
Today I'm going to walk with Jesus. Today I, I want to think like Jesus. Today I, I'm going to love like Jesus. Today I want my joy is going to be in Jesus. My delight is going to be in Jesus. Even though I might have to suffer for it. And even though everything in my body wants me to still live in the old self, I am choosing today to live and walk with Jesus. And when we do that, what happens is, is that we have new passions. We, we, we no longer find our joy in this world. No, we find our joy in the Lord. We're fully satisfied by him. He, he, he has the best for us. We, we have new priorities, right? We, we arrange our life according to what, to what he has and, and his desires. So we have a new perspective. We, we no longer see this world as, as our home. We have eyes set upon the world that is coming. And then we have a new power because what the cross teaches us is that power is manifested in our weakness. And that when we are weak and we're on our knees and we don't know the way out, we don't have any more money, we feel all alone. But in the weakness, there's strength. See, if we're gonna live, Jesus says, you have to follow what I do. He lays it out here in John 12. I was appointed to die. My hour has come. And you will see the Father fully glorified through my death. You will see the Father's passion for you. And I'm not going to ask the Father to, to take the cross away. No, I'm going to serve him faithfully because I love him and he loves me. If we're gonna live, if you wanna live, you have to die. Paul lays it out again in Colossians 3. He goes a little detail. He says, you know, that, that we have to put to death, that, that there are things in our lives that, that we need to crucify, that we need to nail on the cross. And I'll put them here in your handout to, that there are physical things that our lusts and our desires and, and our sexuality and, and, and all these things that if we're not careful, it will strip the life of Jesus from us. What do you watch? when no one else is watching you? What do you see when, when that guy or that woman walk in? What's going through your mind? What images do you have? What lust? Are you feeding the lust? Are you feeding those desires? Paul says you have to put to death those things. Money, how you use your money. Are you counting up how much you have? Are you, are, you, are you so focused upon consuming more? Jesus says money is all because the Father has given that to you. To give it away. To live generously. 
Language. Paul's very clear about language. That what comes out of your mouth? Slander? Cussing? Lying? That the purpose of the words are to build others up? What about your relationships? When you see certain people, are you still full of anger? The Bible says that anger is when we're not getting our way. Maybe we need to die to that, of always wanting our way. Anger, are we holding on to anger? Are we holding on to wrath? Are, are we holding on to malice? Or, or holding on to this idea that we always got to be right? Paul says these are things that, that we need to put to death because when we, when we give our time, our energy to these things of lust and, and these things of greed and these things of slander, slander, these things of anger, what we're doing is we're living in the old life. We, we're giving Jesus lip service, but we're still living in this old self. And so then you have to live in the new self. And, and, and so the way of doing that is to live in these ways. He says, live in this way of compassion. Live with kindness Live in humility. Live in gentleness. Live with patience. Bear with one another. Forgive anyone. Forgive anyone who has a grievance against you. Love above all, he says. With the peace of Christ. Rule your heart. Knowing that you're loved, he provides. He goes on and says, the new self, be thankful. Blessed you are. He says, soak in the words of Christ. Be an encourager. Be a worshiper, sing songs of praise and thanksgiving. And lastly, he says, with all the gifts you've been given and all the time you have, do everything for the name of Jesus, not for yourself. The scriptures are full of this new life and old life. Jesus says, unless a, a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, then it can't produce life. In order to live, in order to go further, in order to experience more of life that Jesus has for you, there's some things that have to die. I'm not sure what it is for you. I'm not sure what, what, what God's bringing up, but there's some things that you have to die. You have to put on the cross. You have to die. And that through the death, there is life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I know that you love us. I know you want us to experience more and more life. Jesus, you said that you have come to give us life in abundance. That you have come to give us life to the fullest. But the battle, Lord, between your word and your desire for us and living in this world, it's tough. It is, it is combat. 
And, and we make these compromises, Lord, of how we want to live in the world, but yet we still want to have life with you. And you say, if we want to have life with you, there's some things in us that need to die. There's, just, there's some things right now that we're watching that we need, to, we need to die. There's some things of how we're using our time that need to die. There's things, Lord, of how we're using our money and how we see our money that, that, that need to die to how you want our money to be used. There are things right now, Lord, with the power that you have given to us and how we're using that power for our own selfish gain, God, you want that to die in order for you, your love, to live. And so, God, I pray right now. I pray, Lord, that it's because your love, that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die. And through that sacrifice, the world is restored. The world is renewed. The kingdom of heaven is planted and is seen. So God, what things do you need to let us, what things do we need to let go of? What things do we nail on a cross? So we can embrace the life you have for us. The life of hope. The life of love. The life of faith. We ask this all in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray by, by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not temptation. Deliver us from evil. Grant us the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.